Hey everybody, I'm Rogers Healy, and welcome back to Rogers That, a podcast about selling without selling out. And today, it's an honor. It's also a shocker because you have two guys that live on their cell phones that are working hands-free. I've got one of my best friends, one of my heroes in business, and somebody who epitomizes what it's like to be a salesperson without selling out, my brother from another bald mother, Mr. Dustin Gutowski. Dustin, thanks for coming today. Thanks for having me. You look surprised when I said my brother. Um, this actually isn't a podcast. This is the part where I tell you that we actually the, are related. Maury's coming out? Yeah. That's Maury. awesome. Yeah, Dustin just dated himself. Maury Povich was a talk show host in the 90s. Was uh, it 90s? In the 80s. Mm. And anyway, so we're back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Dustin is somebody that I connected with uh, a few years back through social media. And um, like a lot of busy people, you kind of just would forget about him and drown it out. And then he just kind of kept popping up and... I learned to really appreciate and respect his brand. And over the course of time, we be, uh, became friends. We became friends online, and then that friendship turned into something in person. And we have a mutual respect for each other. But um, what I love about Dustin, among other things, is that he's, he's authentic, he's a grinder, and he has taken a very traditional business of roofing, residential and commercial roofing, and he's turned it upside down. Not literally, because he wouldn't be sitting here today as a success, but he's turned the business upside down, and he has disrupted and to me, that's what um, is exciting about this podcast is hearing about people's stories. So, Dustin, thanks for coming today. And maybe tell us a little Thank bit about you. yourself before we dig into the questions that are going to probably make you cry. Fun fact, didn't you? Uh, you actually blocked me on social media once because you got tired of seeing it. I did. Yeah. And more questions <laughs> like that, he'll be blocked again. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Dustin, uh, originally from outside of Austin and uh, moved to Dallas. Oh, let's get detailed. What hospital room were you born in? Brackenridge Hospital. Oh. I was actually originally uh, from my mother, and then oh. by way of Austin. So, wow, what a yeah. what a seriously He's, weird situation. It's a weird situation. Yeah. Originally from, uh, moved to Dallas, married two kids, and one on the way. Now, you married two kids, or you're married with two kids? Uh, it's actually frowned upon to marry two kids, but I'm married with two kids. Okay, I was gonna say because this yeah. just took a turn. It could get weird. It could, yeah. it could go okay. from Mari to knock. Chris Hansen in a heartbeat. Yeah. So back to the business side of things, Dustin. Um, you know, when you agreed to do this uh, initially, you said you just responded with your Venmo name, which was bizarre. And then I realized I was like, okay, you're in the business of making money. But you know, when you first heard about this podcast, knowing that, you know, you and I have this kind of quirky relationship that it's people least. wouldn't say like we're friends, but you know, we, we, we both work our faces off. But, um, so Dustin, uh, you've been a disruptor obviously since an early age, which, um, you know, led you to being an entrepreneur and you've been able to go and disrupt a very traditional business, the roofing industry. And you become an incredible salesperson where I think like most salespeople, entrepreneurs, leaders, you sell yourself. But, um, you know, what does that look like to you? Have you been, been able to be a great salesperson all while, you know, being authentic and true to yourself? Uh, to what you said, being authentic to who you are, I think being the best or attribute stat, whatever you want to keep of being a great salesperson, it's just being authentic to who you, who you are, right? Uh, people can see through the, the bullshit, the BS. They can when you're not being who you are. I feel like it just feed people feed off that and they can read it. So for me, it's always just staying grounded and uh, honestly having conversations one day about who I was, like who was I really and who I wanted to be, and just not negotiating with myself, right? Is and it's it's tough because there's things that come up that can draw you off sides or maybe do something that's not you know, and your standards. And so you have to be grounded in, Hey, if I do that, that's not who well, I am. Well, how, how, how early on did that happen where you kind of had the chance to, 
maybe go down the road that wasn't um, the best fit for you ethically? Did that happen pretty quick where you were, yeah, you were challenged? Yeah, it happened pretty quick. So no, I came from a broken home, super broken home, uh, from since I can remember. So since I was a little kid and you have these memories of, like I, I can remember one of my first childhood memories is not getting a Christmas present, which is probably a like, terrible memory. But we grew up you know, in Trailer Park. We grew up in just the bad part of town. And so, you know, we didn't have running water at times, electricity, we didn't have food. So, hey, you're like ethically pushed, like your morals are pushed because, to use an example, if you go to the grocery store and you're hungry, is it okay to steal? Because you don't have no money to eat, but you're hungry as a child, like, right? Those push your morals. So at a young age, I was pushed with those even, and I was homeless at 14. So, you know, I slept on a park bench. So you're, you're faced with these morals every day of like, what's right or wrong? And uh, it's like, is it, I don't think it's right for a kid to go to bed hungry, but I also don't think it's right to steal. But what are you supposed to do? And so um, it's just something that I never I always felt like there's probably some gray area to right or wrong where you, you, you hold your morals at. And I've always kept it on treat everybody the way you would want to be treated with old cliche. But uh, it's treating people the right way usually keeps your standards pretty high and your morals high. So yeah. So what, what was your kind of story after going and getting out of school and becoming an adult? How did you get into the world of sales and what did you do to climb to a you know, deciding to start your own company? Uh, I started in the fitness industry when I was like 18. Uh, and so I started at 24 Hour Fitness and I worked at like Crunch Fitness, a few others, but- uh, you Was it weird that you didn't work out? At all, didn't work out. Yeah. Actually, that's how I got the job, was working out, but it was weird that- Yeah, fitness is uh, for everybody, yeah. even the ones that aren't fit. Yeah. Uh, you would know all about that. Yeah, no, and, for uh, sure. Uh, don't you have a dojo that you don't use? Well, it's not a dojo. It's more of like a um, it's a sanctuary. Yeah, for weights that for, are for always hanging clean. Out. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Uh, it got a job in the fitness industry. Worked there for 15 years, and uh, you had to sell yourself, right? Nobody wants to work out. Nobody does. Uh, really, you go into the gym for what? You walk out with a receipt and the promise that you're going to get in shape. It's yeah. terrible. Uh, and I was in the fitness industry, worked my way up to like a president, vice president, had multiple stores and uh, was making the most money of my life and I was miserable. Where were you? At Crunch. What city? In Detroit, Michigan. Wow. So I was in the Boomtown. D. A different yeah. D, yeah. It's a great place, by the way. It's got a bad rap, but phenomenal place. It's, it's one actually of my favorite great rap. Eminem is fantastic. I don't know if you've Battle heard the raps, movie yeah. 8 Mile. It's a different rap. Yeah. Um, also, birthplace of Motown, which yes. not, wasn't really necessarily rap music, but... Um, we'll it's not rap music. Well, Motown, you know, you could consider some of it rap, but it was really more. Who would be art. considered rap in Motown? Well, there was a guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Um, rap. Back to, not. I mean, he. Great freestyle artist. He was no. He's known to freestyle. Back to you, Dustin. Detroit, Boomtown, Crunch yeah. Fitness, Fitness Model. Continue. Receipts. Uh, Making most, salads. Yeah. yeah, I was, I was, I tried to try to be a battle rapper, but it didn't work out. It's tough. Yeah, tough streets Mom's out there. Spaghetti. Yeah, yeah it's it. tough. And uh, so was miserable, making the most money of my life. Mm. And I realized quickly that uh, everybody was not the problem that I was, and uh, I was trying to push my goals and dreams on other people, and it was their company, not mine. And it just, it, I knew that, has had a, a awakening one day that I've blamed all these owners and bosses. But realistically, I was the problem. And I think it was my owner there told me first day on the job, which I thought was horrible. I thought I was getting fired. He goes, you're not going to last long here. And I thought, well, that's not a good way to start. It's been my family across the country. But he said, because you have an entrepreneurial spirit and you yeah. want to do things. And so one day I just decided, I was like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go do my own thing. And so, you know, when I, as I was growing up as a kid, I thought the logical thing would you want to be when you grow up as a roofer. So it was roofing was born. Really? 
No, not really, but it yeah. sounded good. Okay, so. that was yeah, that's the first heartfelt roofing uh, story of all time. Yeah. Uh, so, so roofing really, like honestly, so not many people go from fitness to entrepreneurship and specializing in the roofing world. No. What, what, what was the story behind that? Because roofing is not, you know, a glamorous job, but you've made it. You've literally brought a brand to the world of roofing so much so to where you have guys that are you know, literally social media famous that are roofers. How, yeah. What was the story behind that? Uh, so funny story, which is probably one of the reasons we met, uh, how I got into roofing was the owner in Michigan was worth a ton of money. Uh, and he was originally a roofer. And that's the how he got of Michigan, like uh, the, the state, the state. He owns the state. Damn, it's crazy. John, Michigan, for John, all y'all yeah. watching today. His name is James. Actually, it's not far off. James, Michigan. He owned the crunches and he got a start in roofing. Oh, wow. And, uh, I, he really probably mentored me in business the first like he showed me a lot saw his work ethic how he was and he got to start in roofing well i saw all these guys in texas just killing it in the roofing industry and i was like how is bozo killing it in roofing right and it's like that guy can do it i can do it easy so i was roofing sounds like the logical choice when i told my wife like we'll talk about it and i went to work that day and quit so it wasn't much talking about it i said we're moving back home we're going to do roofing and so uh when I first moved to Dallas, I actually saw what you were doing and it didn't have any idea who you were. I actually had never been to Dallas before I moved here. Huh. I saw you do an interview and you said you built your whole company off of people seeing your face. You're like, I put my face everywhere in social media. You're like, I was the first realtor on social media. And uh, that stuck with me years later. So I did it in the fitness industry too, did a lot of stuff on social media. And uh, so when I moved to Dallas doing the roofing, just took the same logical approach. And then uh, that was kind of how I met you which oh, was wow. even weirder so funny story yeah. yeah i love that i love that but okay so back back to you and your and your story you, you get success you make money early on you, and i think that you know for me i'm a very i was a very innocent person i was not an athlete growing up i was not popular didn't have a ton of friends and i was genuinely i was very naive yeah and i think that when you're thrown into a situation where you're you know you're you have notoriety you make a little bit of money people want to you know see you potentially fail that was such a shock to me and then on top of that, too, what I was exposed to, you know, I'm 42 now, but I was 22, 21 when I got into real estate. And the amount of opportunity I had to cut corners and to cheat and to make dirty money, I, it obviously never appealed to me. But that was such a weird thing. Do you remember what that was like when you started your company and you started seeing how maybe some people really are wired? Yeah, uh, it was part of the hardest thing was the people, some of the people that are closest to you were usually the loudest ones that wanted you to fail. And then people you didn't even know. People you didn't even know were just cheering for you to lose. What do we call those people? Call them fans. Or we call them haters. We call them haters. Right? I like that. Just call them fans because they're paying attention to what you do. That's how the mindset shift. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things was, you know, I think you power through anything as a leader, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, and these people that literally want to see you fail, you keep doing your thing and you keep being yourself. And then all of a sudden, they're the ones that actually start sending you business. Yes. And, and, which is a weird dynamic, and it makes you so glad that you're not like them or raised yeah. like them or you're going to raise your kids like them. But that was another eye-opening thing for me, like three years into the business, these people that were literally just brutal to me for no reason other than the fact yeah. that I was working and I was doing my own thing. And all of a sudden, they'd call me and be like, hey, I want you to list my office space or my house. I'm like, <laughs> what? They're like, and I was like, oh, my God, it's because you don't have it in you. Yeah. Right? Um, so what, what was that like for you when you knew that you kind of – got to that next level as being a business owner and the people that were your now fans were converted to being a believer. What would that feel like? Uh, it hasn't changed anything for me personally, as far as, I mean, it's still weird or like when someone leaves the company and they want to come back that, that one's probably weird. Do you let them back? Ooh, <sighs> I, haven't gosh. Let, I haven't let anyone back yet. 
Uh, yeah. I feel like when you leave, and unfortunately, I've caught a lot of flack for this. Yeah. But I say when you leave, you're dead to me, and uh, I don't wish you harm. You just but wish I, they're dead. Uh, you know, it's to me. <laughs> it's harmful. I mean, a little bit, but yeah. I don't want anything to do with you. You gave so you believed in my goal and vision enough to quit on me. Uh, and you quit on yourself. I just don't want anything to do with you. And so I'm very loyal, almost to a fault. Same. But I don't want people to leave my organization something that I'm, I think for me, because I can hold myself accountable for wanting the best for them while they're here and going out of my way. So when they leave me, you're dead to me. And they're like, oh, well, that's not the appropriate way. Well, who's to tell me what's appropriate for that? Yeah. It's tough. It comes with time, man. It's hard. I think that being a business owner as well, it's hard not to take things personally when you pour into people and you care so much. Yeah. And then- uh, it, the thing that always shocks me is like the way people leave and it's the ones that I don't really have a true friendship with that are the most respectful and the ones that I pour into it's like a text message or an email I'm like or they don't even tell you anything yeah I'm like okay you know and and, and again it makes you cling to the real relationships and the people that actually want to see you win after you're already a relative success so um okay so so back to your story what was the way that you decided to go lead in roofing where like again it's a total disrupting move and yeah. you could go multiple ways but to not be a complete sellout you wanted to go and take kind of your brand into the world of roofing i'm sure at the beginning that came with a little bit of pushback and people like Time. me being like who are these people yeah, hashtagging <laughs> realtors and everybody Literally, it's like i knew what you had for breakfast because you yeah, know it was off there and you would hashtag dfw realtors and i was like what does an omelet have to do with oh he's getting my t-. it was smart it was a, yeah. a really smart move but what was that like kind of your first round of you know getting a little bit of flack and staying true to your brand and to yourself uh, so at first it was a lot of like the first three months, it was a lot of support, right? Cause Oh, you're a new business. So people support you. They're like, good luck, good luck. And then when you start maybe being a disruptor or having a little bit of success, they start, they flip that switch. Right. I just didn't pay attention to it, but I didn't pay attention to the good or bad. It's like, what's your opinion of me is none of my business. And so I don't, I don't focus on, it. I, I truly believe in what we're doing is that, you know, we're, we're relational. We're not transactional. And I really believe that is that the relationship to me is more important than the transaction. And, you know, for realtors, it was, which is a huge thing that we do, was I saw this, like, miss in where people were trying to sell a home or buy a home, and the roofer was almost pinned against it. And it's like, why would you want to be against, like, what does it matter if, if you're with the buyer or seller? Why don't you just get the the just get the best service so you can help the buyers buy and the seller sell? And so I just didn't pay attention to the outside noise, good or bad. And so it, it I think it leaves a lot of that... Why would you pay attention to it? Because there could be a thousand people cheering for you and you're only going to listen to one that's being negative or the vice versa is there could be a thousand people being against you and you're only going to listen to the one positive. So for me, it's like I block it all out. I have a select circle that I listen to of influence. Uh, You're one of those. And there's only a few people that I feel like, hey, this person has my best interest. I will listen to them because if I'm being out of bounds, they're going to tell me, right? And I just don't get caught up in the other stuff. Oh, it's good. There's a couple things that come to mind when you say that. The first is that you're a product of the five people you hang around with the most, right? And and that's true yeah. no matter no matter what people want to hear. And the second is um, I think another thing about being successful, if you don't come from a background of being the best at anything, which I'm sure you were great at something along the way, I really wasn't. My dad told me early on that the higher up you get on the ladder, the easier it is to shoot you down. Right. And I think as yeah. you become more successful, this group of people that you surround yourself with, it becomes smaller and smaller. And then you feel lonely or you're like, man, I'm really it's it's lonely. I think it's a lonely place. It is. It, you isolate yourself. And yeah. it's, it's but it's tough. not I mean, for, it's not it wasn't intentional for me. It's no, just it's that not. As you start to get to these different phases of life and you're just like, I want to be around people that make me better. And then you like have this group of friends that you still love. But it's like I they drain life from you. And you kind of get to this phase where you're just like, all right, I guess this is what it's supposed to be like to be a successful business owner is that you just kind of, you know, 
you, you do your own thing, but back to what you guys do and how you go and do it. What, what's the approach? Like what's the company mantra at results roofing and all the other companies that you've offshot since launching your brand? Uh, impact over income, uh, firmly what, what I believe and I care about everybody we work for is like when we started results. Well, what was the point of results? Results was to get, you know, this wasn't our pocketbooks. It was to get results for like uh, us, our customers, our employees, our employees, families. That was the whole model for me was when I make a decision and now it's weighted more is that it's not just me I'm affecting in my family. That's true, but it's you and your family, the customers and their family. There's a huge impact. And so for me, it was like, hey, as long as I'm making every decision on how I'm going to impact someone, then I'm not worried about the income. And so everything I do, that's what I base it on. Yeah, but you're making money. A hundred, the money will come. Yeah, but you've, you're also helping other people make money. That's it. And so for you, like maybe give us an example of how you lead by example where there's people – that are working for you that maybe don't come from anything, no one believed in them, and then you invested in them, and through that their life has completely changed financially, but more importantly just from a confidence and a humility standpoint. Yeah, we have a guy on our team that uh, uh, it's a close background to what I had. Uh, grew up, you know, single mom, didn't grow up in a, you know, grew up in a trailer park. I think the most money he ever made in his life was you know, 30, 40 grand. Didn't have a whole lot, didn't have – you know, I don't want to say he had leadership qualities, but just ha- wasn't really taught a lot on the business standpoint. Two years later, this guy is making over 200000 a year. He's leading a team. More than likely, he'll lead our whole company probably the next couple of years. Wow. And watching him take people. So he almost quit on us three months in. Sounds uh, great. Helped him out. Yeah. And he, he just because he couldn't make it financially. But, you know, we helped him out with some things. And now he's got people on his team that he's doing the same thing that he went through, which to me is the, is the ultimate, like, gift is – if you impact someone, that's great. But when you teach someone through impacting them how to impact others, that's where it just becomes like a complete legacy piece. And watching that is impacting an individual that's now impacting other individuals the way you impacted them. That was the ultimate goal for me. And that's it's kind of crazy to see. Okay, well, well let's talk about being a leader. And obviously, um, the premise of this whole podcast is all people that are roofers that are musicians that are entertainers they're in the financial world but the common thread is that everybody hopefully myself included has stayed true to themselves right so what what kind of challenges do you face on a daily or you know consistent basis where like all right here we go again but i have to be true to myself knowing that for me you know as sadistic as it sounds i look forward to those opportunities to go and prove to myself that i know what i'm made of you know yeah Um, and i think that that's you know a gift that some of us possess is just resiliency and grit it's exhausting sometimes, yep. but you know, for you, like, what are some challenges that you faced, and how have you pushed through it, all while remaining Dustin, the great, you know, family man that loves people, even though, you know, you got some 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 challenges to face. Um, from the early age, obviously, all the stuff I went through, it keeps me grateful for what I have. I'm always grateful for everything I I have, and I used to not always be like that. I always played the victim about what you had, what they had. It was their fault. I didn't have this. Why was I born into this? And it actually took me about 60 days to change this. I started waking up every day when I first opened my eyes. I would just go, thank you for another day. Because it was when I slept on a park bench when I was 14. And so when you go from sleeping on a park bench to a bed, it's like you should be grateful for that because not everybody has that opportunity, right? And so, uh, and then I just started having the mindset, everybody's going to have, you know, problems and challenges but you can either turn them into i'm sorry everybody's gonna have pain but you can either turn them into a problem or you could turn them into production and i said i'm feeling this 
pain, why don't I use that as a source of energy? Because what I realized was pain was the same as happiness. It's just the way you kind of your mind took it. It's the same as like when you're nervous or excited. Why is someone scared of heights and someone's not? It's the same feeling. It's just how your mind's processing it. I'm actually scared of heights and it actually I'm, is a different feeling. I want to just... I'm, no, I'm deathly afraid of heights and I own a roofing company. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, true. And so, but what's the feeling is that one's excitement, one's being scared. It's how your brain processes it. And so that's what I went through. I think it's every day, every week is talking to yourself, understanding who you are. If you know who you are, other people can't throw you off sides. Other people can't take you off your game if you're true to who you are. But it sounds crazy. Uh, but talking to yourself about, hey, what do I really want? Like, and if when you know what you really want, everything else is thrown at you. It's just I I love those. It's like navigating the price. We have price increases. The everything's going up because of inflation. So, with shingles in the last twelve months, they've doubled. And so, how do you navigate that? Well, it, the easy thing would be just pass it on to our team. Hey, sorry guys, we got to cut your pay. We got to do this. But for me, it's like, hey, let's go on offense and figure out how we push through this and get there. Because once again, I know where I want to get to. And I know the end game, so I begin with the end in mind. So everything else thrown at me, it's like, okay, that's fine. That's fine because that's the prize. That's what we're going after. And along that journey, I've learned that the process is the real prize. All this stuff that you go through is what you remember, makes you who you are, and it's the real prize. Let's talk cliche questions. Oh, here we go. Well, they're cliche for a reason. It's because they have lasting impressions and they have, you know, longevity. But let's start low level. The best advice you've ever received. Best advice, do not hold me accountable for what other people have done to you. Okay. And who gave you that advice? Uh, A guy named Phil Howard. I didn't work for very long, but he gave me that advice because I blamed him for what other people did to me. And it caused me to leave the organization rather quickly. But it was actually one of the best advice I'd ever heard. Okay. Worst advice you've ever received? Business, don't take it personal. I was going to say that it's the worst advice you'll ever take. If you're in a business and you own a business, you run a business, take it personal. All right. 100%. Hundred percent. Okay, and what's your what's your biggest challenge? Is like, what do you face knowing that it's something you work on on a daily basis? What what are you what are you challenged with, like just as a man, as a person, as a, as a leader? Uh, how to be the best father, husband, family, and business guy I can be. I've learned that it's not work life balance, which was I never. It's work life integration, and so I bring my wife and kids are involved in everything I do, and it's made life so much easier because then. You're not just trying to – when you try to be the bucket, I would say, that I deal with, I don't know anyone else, is work, husband, you know, father, right? That's that's my three buckets. And when you try to be one or the other, you just get burned on the other ones. But when you integrate them all and realize that me being a great father is being great at business, being a, being a great husband is being a great father, being a great father, all that's together, it just makes life a lot easier. And so, But I, it's a challenge, though, because you go to work for 12, 14, 16 hours a day, you miss your kids, you get home, and – some some other challenges thrown at you. It's like, do I take this right now and get away from my kids? It's that dealing with that. It's probably the hardest. That's the only part of business that actually bothers me. The other stuff's easy. It's that that I have. A, I struggle with. So it sounds like balance. But there is no such thing. Well, there could be. I think that it, it's. I think being intentional is really hard. Yeah. And, and I think that I'll speak for me, but I think you and I probably have similar struggles. Where I think my biggest struggle in life is being present. And it's because when your mind never stops working, never it's hard stops. to be yeah. really in the moment. And I think that a cell phone and a watch and all these things that are connected to you make it a little bit more difficult to be fully present. And it's something that I, I literally, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at it. As a new father, I'm still sitting there with my daughter on me and I'm on my phone worried about taking a selfie when I should literally be looking at my yeah. daughter. It's hard, you know? So I, what about you? Do, you? do you face stuff like uh, that? That's, the, that's my 
wife's biggest pet peeve of mine is that. But I was like that even before there was like cell phones though. You, I was, I was always doing something else. And I think that's where you touched earlier how entrepreneurs isolate themselves. I think it's because your brain doesn't stop spinning. And so you have to constantly be doing something. And that's probably the, the thing that you're so misunderstood. It's not that you don't care. It's not that you're not paying attention. It's that your brain literally can't shut off. I tried to shut it off and it doesn't work. So uh, to maintain your mindset of being a great salesperson, not being a sellout and being consistent, you obviously, everyone has to check out somehow. So for you, what does that look like? What do you, We know that you're really into Disney. You're really into Star Wars. You're a big Lakers fan. Fan, you love your family. Like, what what does that look like for you? I mean, I I never really was a big fan of the word hobby. I think the word passion is a strong word. It's overused, but I, I think escape is a healthy term for people that are just really really busy. So for you, what does an escape look like to make sure you stay in that path of being a great salesperson? Uh, hanging out with my kids, my two boys are my best friends, and I, I hang out with those, those like my escape. Probably once every three months, we go to Disney. And it's just like a, I didn't get to do that as a kid, but taking them, it's a fun escape. Uh, and again, uh, I buy a lot of sports memorabilia and thanks to somebody, I just bought my first Elvis piece. Uh, but it's the same same problem. It's like, oh, maybe if I start buying music and movie memorabilia, I'll stop buying sports. But now I just buy all three. So it sounds it's like you compartmentalize and you you have deeper issues that we're going to discuss uh, complete different different i went to get a couch and play roger's death the intervention yeah it's yeah. your brain can't stop but it's hanging out with my two boys uh just that being with them makes everything okay and it's how i stay grounded and focused you ready for a loaded question uh something that i, I struggle do i have with. a choice yeah i mean no you don't you're in here the door's <laughs> locked um will you ever be fully satisfied as a business owner no isn't that crazy? I never. Dude, it's so crazy. Same. Never. Right? And, and I, I think that a business owner becomes lethal when they do it for a different reason. Yeah. You know, for the first um, seven, 16 years into being a business owner, and the first like 13 or 14, it was all about making money and staying relevant and not pressing the panic button. And a couple of years ago, it's just kind of all changed to where it's a, it's a, it's an obsession. Yeah. Right, and everyone's like, "What's the end goal?" I was like, "I don't. I have no I idea. I don't have an end goal. No. You wanna, I don't want to sell the company. It's your. It becomes your hobby. Yeah. That's what the hell would I do if I sold my company? I'd go what, crazy. What would I do? Like, I would. I would. I would be sleeping on a park bench because I would literally just go <laughs> crazy and, yeah. and probably get in trouble. But like, at, at what point will you actually be like, "All right, like I've done something. I've impacted people." <laughs> I don't. That's. I don't think that I. I. I try to tell myself the other day. We had a really great meeting with a couple of the new up and coming people that started at results. We called the top gun cliche because of the movie, right? Oh, uh, oh it, was, it was great. And I, I felt like an idiot because they were all young and they're like top gun. I'm like, oh, oh, totally missed my mark. But you're, uh, you're obviously goose. I totally understand. That's not true. Uh, anyways, uh, they, uh, I, I told them after the meeting, they all reached out to me and were just explaining how impactful it was. But to me, I just, I just thought it was a normal meeting. Right. But isn't that crazy? Like the stuff, it's weird. Like you do it long enough and the compounding effect hits in and you're like, man, I actually, this is so second nature to me, but what you just did could literally change the change entire life. trajectory of someone's entire yeah. life. All because you started a roofing company. All because of a roofing company. It took three hours out of my day to speak to six people that, you know, are on a path of one kid was an hour. He had no, he, for, he almost argumentative, like, I don't have a why. I don't know why I do this. And then by the end of it was you've changed me. I never realized that was my why. And so it was so impactful. But to me, it's like, I don't have that. I don't think I've done anything. Like on a scale of one to 10, I would say like 0.02 is what I've done. And so there is no, there is no, I would be satisfied. And I think that's probably the, the hardest thing. I've tried to sell myself the other day. Like, you know what? I'm going to sell the company and I would retire. And I'm like, 
great. I have, I'd, there's, there's absolutely zero. There's, I can't do that. And that's what people don't understand. It's like, what's the, what are you going to do? I, there's, I can't think of that. Same. That bothers me. Same. And you're, you're a, you're a grower, um, not a shower. And I think that, um, I told you that in confidence. Well, let me see. What's a better word to say that? <laughs> I, I think in the, in, in the world of business, um, everyone has their gifts. And I think yours is like, you're a builder, right? You love to go and, and build people. And I think that that's what comes with, you know, struggle being a business person as well. For me, I think one of my hardest things is scaling, right? Is that I realize that so much of the success of our companies revolves around, at least I thought revolved around me, me physically being present, me physically being here or whatever, but I've had to learn how to delegate and then hire people that were smarter than me, more talented than me, et cetera. So for you, what kind of challenges do you face like that where you have to realize that you can't be a part of everything? Yeah, of everything. That's the, that to me is the hardest challenge because I want to be involved in everything, not because I don't trust people or that to that nature, if you will. Uh, I just want my hands in it and I want to be a part of it because I do. I mean, but then I, what I told myself is don't be a hypocrite because one of the things I fundamentally believe is I don't build businesses, I build people and the people build the business. And so I can't, I can't lay like say that's who I am, but then not let them go do it. And so it's trusting them that if I was if I was truly a leader like I say I am, and I was teaching them how to fish and not just catching the fish for them, mm. then they would be able to do it to a great ability. So if they're not doing it to my standard, then it's my fault, not theirs. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned is that when I first opened the company, somebody left. I I got kind of pissed at them, right? Yeah. But I blamed them. But now it's like. Is there anything I could have done differently to help them stay? And some sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer truly was them. But there, I can say part of the biggest growth I've had is after everybody's left or something's went wrong, I've analyzed what I could have did better as a leader. And there's always been three to five things I could have done better. I think that's helped me grow the, the company to at, to a pace that I'd never imagined because of that. Because I'm not I'm saying humble like I could have been better in those situations. So like right now, what's something you could do better? I think what that meeting we had the other day, one of the things I noticed was we, we've hit kind of a stagnant on, on salespeople, if you will. And one of the things I, I felt, will, if, if you will, I will. will you? I yeah. Will. With Mark, no offense, but it always manages. Uh, it, uh, we had, we hire five, lose three or five. Right. And it was making an impact. And so it was having that meeting. It was like, I need to be more involved with not their sales and their day to day, but maybe managing their life and helping them see that, maybe where they're at right now. And so I challenged myself with it. And that was part of the meetings that I've had is like, get the more one-on-ones, get those more elite meetings, if you will, and have that to impact in that way. I will. Yeah, I will. I will for sure. If you will, I will. Okay. Together. I will. Yeah. Do I got to, I want to porcupine you on a question though. Oh, please. What, Welcome you said, to Dustin that. Yeah. So this is going to be Dustin that. Sell I want to ask the question. And be a sellout. Sell. Hey, this is not how you sell out. This is how you sell. You, you turn porcupine me. Please. You still, yes. I will. You said that you don't do it for the money anymore. Yeah. Then why? I mean, I do. I mean, obviously, I, I want to make. Yeah, money. but that's. I, I it's. I think that as you get older and as you mature, you kind of, the stuff that you wanted to speed through when you first started your career, I you miss it, right? And it, and it, you know, it's like if I knew what I knew now back then, it would have been a lot easier. Yeah. But for me, it's literally if you become a master of something and you can go and get back to the basics, it's a different kind of reward. And I think, again, that's part of what we both do a great job of is that I, I like helping mold people. Yeah. And I like having people that are impactful and that are, you know, naive. And I think through that, you have a better chance of leading them well versus changing somebody, you know? And I think yeah. that that's what's hard about salespeople is that it's such a vulnerable audience and group of people that you can have leadership over to where they can go one of two ways. And if you can help keep them in the path of, 
humility and humor and being themselves, that's what removes them from being a total sellout. And in the business of roofing, real estate, clothes, whatever you're selling, once people go and dip their toes in the waters of being just a punk, they're toast. Yeah. And I think that for me, you know, one of the reasons I was single till I met Abby is that I, my style was to fix people and to save them. But with this, you know, the money's great, but going and seeing the people that are influenced by simple life choices is, it, it, it's, it's a mission, you know? And, and I, and I think that it's hard to go put it into words because it means so much to people like you and me, but to go and see the lives that are literally changed because you started a roofing company, I started a real estate company, and knowing that it's way more than about roofing and real estate, where most business owners never, ever taste that. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I, I have to make money. Literally, I have to make money because I have to pay bills. Well, but, without the money, you can't really truly impact other people as well. There's a lot that goes behind that. Yeah. But then, but when you build a monster, and, it, and the monster, the machine, sometimes parts fall off. And you're like, okay, got to get a new wheel. Got to go and get new headlights. Got to go and do whatever it is. It reminds you that you're great at what you're doing. You know, and I think that's what a true salesman is, is someone who, a, a great salesperson is someone who can lead salespeople, but if they need to get back out there and do it, they can't. And, and to bring this into kind of a music analogy, which I know we both love music, most people don't know this, but in an orchestra, the person that's up there with the, the sticks just going crazy, it's an orchestrator, right? But what most people don't know about an orchestrator is that if the celloist or the drummer or the guitarist or the, whoever's in the orchestra was to fall off the stage, that person can step in and fill the role. That's an orchestrator, you know? But I think that's what a real leader is, is that ironically, they're kind of the unsung hero, ironically speaking, but they could crush those people if they wanted to. They could be first chair at this. They could be X, Y, Z, but they prefer to go and watch everyone else be the best version of themselves where they're leading kind of quietly. And I think that's what being a great salesperson is as well, is knowing your role but learning how to do it to scale. And championships are won with role players, to win an analogy. Yeah. And you look at, I look at the, you know, the greatest, I love basketball, Jordan, Kobe, is they won rings with role players, right? And so many people think they're looking for that next superstar, even at work as leaders, like that next high performer, right? That next top producer. But usually those top producers have that entrepreneurial mindset and they're probably going to do their own thing. And for me, I don't, I don't get caught up in that. If somebody comes to my company for two years and does it the right way and leads the right way and I impacted them to go open their own business, I'm actually okay with that as long as they lead the right way. But to me too, it's like I could do this all on my own and have a successful roofing company, but what would it really be? Me and three to five guys if I wanted the top level people. But you have to be able to know your role and understand that there might be somebody that's 70% of what you could do. But how important is that to your company's success? If you had 100 people operating at 70% of you, where, where would you be? 7,000%. Would it? 7 million. Better than your 100%, right? 7 billion. Would it be billion? Yeah. No, I think we're horrible. It, but again, I think that's the obsession is I think that whether you have 10 people working for you or 10,000 people working for you, there's always that one person that I think might need you and more importantly, you need them. Yep. And I think that's what wakes people like you and me up, which again is the challenge of being present with our wives, with our children, which are with our friends, with anybody, because when you have it going at this fast, fast speed, <laughs> it's stops. so hard to be like, let me completely stop sleeping. Yeah, I hate I, sleeping. I, can't, yeah. I hate it. I go to sleep and then I'm like, oh wait, but there's, and then I'm on Instagram I'm like, oh my God. This is where the cast of Cheers is today. I'm like, oh my god, it, it's like, it's hard. But it, it, I think these, oh, simple, yeah. but I think that's what again being a salesperson is staying true to that. And I found too that by being an entrepreneur, 
the people that I thought I looked up to in the world of sales that, you know, became golfers, right? Or they took these trips on a two. I'm like, I don't get that. Like, how do you, who, who takes a vacation on a Tuesday when you own a, it's like they lost their craft, you know? And I, and I think that's what being a salesperson is as well. And not being a sellout is making sure you can always be the orchestrator. You could always step in and play that instrument if you need to, but realizing that it might be better for that person to be the best guitar player, the best drummer, but you be the best leader. Exactly. So what instrument do you play? Uh, none. Zero. What about you? A lot. Prove it. Well. What do you play? What's your... Bass. Are you sure? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So the people that are watching this today, it's a wide audience of people, and it's people that maybe, um, you know, they don't believe in themselves, or maybe they're turning that corner and they're becoming a successful salesperson. What, what's your advice to them, and, and as simple or as complex as you want to make it? What's my advice to them? You, you, if you really want to get to where you want to be, uh, you'll never get there unless you believe in yourself. Uh, as the higher up you go, you have the less people cheering and you're going to have people actually rooting against you. And you can't expect other people to support your dreams and goals. It's not theirs, right? And so it's yours. And so you have, if you don't believe in it, then how are you ever going to get other people to believe in it? And so no matter what is always believe in yourself and what you're doing. Uh, that's the only way you'll ever get to where you want to be. Love it. Roger's that. I'm Dustin Gitkowski, and that's how you sell without selling out. Roger's that.